What is up? We are back. This is Football Life Presents The Audible on this Tuesday, June 8th. I am your host, Randy Hammond, along with my co-host, Matt Bushnell, after a two-week hiatus. Matt, what's going on, man? Uh, you know what, Randy? Um, the oven known as Arizona has officially gotten turned on. We've been hovering right around that 105 mark for the past week or so. It's going to really heat up in the next week. So I'm just trying, I'm trying to stay chill as an ice cube. Mm, well, good luck with that. That sounds uh, painful because uh, <laughs> it even gets over 90 now here in upstate New York. It's that time of year. So the humidity and the stickiness is here to stay. So it's going to be a long few months for us up here, but it's not quite hell as you describe it there in Arizona. Um, well, it's episode 60, Matt Bushnell. So now we're past the linebacker numbers at this point. We're approaching the offensive lineman numbers. So we're going to have less and less notable names here. But number 60, anyone come to mind for you? Honestly, no. This is the one number I draw a blank from. And uh, I know there's going to be an offensive lineman for the Bears. That's number 60. That is mm -hmm. probably pretty good. And I'm going to kick myself for forgetting it. But <laughs> you know what, Randy? Sometimes you just got to roll with the punches. I'll take my medicine when it comes. Yeah, well, I got one for you, and it's two-time Super Bowl champion center for the New York football giant, Sean O'Hara, who now is an NFL Network analyst. So, uh, honestly, a great offensive lineman for the Giants for a very long time, and a uh, big number 60 in there in the middle. Huge, huge reason for Eli Manning's success uh, the early parts of his career. So, so uh, shout-out to Sean O'Hara. A little offensive lineman talk around the show. That's how you know it's going to be a good one, Matt. When we start talking about the guys in the trenches, you know – and it's going to be a good one coming up here. Uh, we got all kinds of news to talk about, and then we're going to discuss the life, life and legacy of longtime Giants head coach uh, Jim Fossil, who was the first Giants coach that I remember watching when I started watching the Giants. Uh, he sadly passed away yesterday. Uh, and then we're going to have fun at the end here. We're going to do a little football slash boxing crossover. So if you're a fan of boxing, which I don't know why you are still a fan of boxing at this point in your life, uh, but maybe you can reminisce on your former boxing fandom and come hang out and talk to us about that as well. That'd be fun. All right, Matt, let's start. Let's talk about it right now off the top. Uh, over the weekend, Julio Jones traded to the Tennessee Titans. And um, look, this is the one of the best receivers in the NFL in the last decade, if not the best receiver in the NFL in the last decade. Um, he averages the most yards per game uh, in NFL history at 95 and a half, more than 10 yards, uh, more than the second uh, player on that list, which is Calvin Johnson. Um, Julio, you can make the argument. I think that most Falcons fans will tell you he is the best player in their franchise's history. And yet they traded him to the Tennessee Titans along with a 2023 sixth round pick uh, in exchange for a second rounder next year and a fourth rounder in 2023. Now I know Julio wanted out. I know he's 32 and I know he's making a lot of money, but I feel like at the surface, you could have gotten a little bit more for Julio Jones. Yeah. Uh, there's not too much. I feel good about this trade. Okay. You got a second round pick and you got a fourth round pick, but you're also sending away a sixth. So, you know, really you did move up in the draft quite a bit, but I don't feel like there was an impact for what he could deliver. This to me feels like a money dump and I don't get it for a team that's talking about keeping Matt Ryan and competing and drafting Kyle Pitts. Everything that you've done is saying we're competing, but you're getting rid of your best offensive weapon. And I, I don't get why Julio would want to leave if he believed in Matt Ryan and what the Falcons are doing. Mm -hmm. So Part of me, which is interesting, too, because Arthur Smith is the head coach, the ex-Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator that he's now going to, 
schematically, it's a great fit for Julio to go to Tennessee, play action, one-on-one coverage. I mean, he's going to put up some numbers there, health being the big concern with Julio over the past few years. I wonder if Atlanta feels like Julio Jones is damaged goods at this point and that Kyle Pitts will take over that role in some form or fashion with Calvin Ridley being the one. I, I, I don't feel good about the trade, Randy. I, I Like you, I think you could have gotten more, but here's where we're at. Yeah, and I understand he's 32. He hasn't played a full season in a few years. Um, he has still lingering uh, hamstring and foot issues, um, which have been kind of unreported in all of this, that you know Julio isn't exactly the beacon of health uh, at the receiver position. But when he still plays, he's still damn good, and that's really what it comes down to. So I, I, I don't want to compare it to other receiver trades in the past because they are, they are so random. Um, I, like what, what the uh, Texans got back for DeAndre Hopkins is not even close to what the value would be there. Um, and what the Bills gave up for Stephon Diggs ended up being pretty close to accurate for what he meant to them. And then what the Giants gave up for Odell Beckham Jr., like they got a lot more for Odell than the Falcons got here for Julio. And But Odell was five years younger. He was coming off of an injury, but he was still significantly younger. But – Um, When you look at the Julio Falcons run here, Matt, it's been nine years. He is when he's healthy. I mean, I would say he probably was the best receiver in the last 10 years. Maybe Calvin Johnson. He's been retired for five years, so it's kind of hard to put him together with that. But as far as like a guy you wanted on your team who showed up consistently on a regular basis, Julio Jones probably was that guy for the Falcons for a long time. Uh, I don't know. Is there any other receiver you would put ahead of Julio in that or that rank? Like I know he's older now, but still, since then it, it's been it's been great for Julio and the Falcons. Yeah, I mean, if, if we're gonna throw Calvin Johnson in our mix, which I, I think is fair, Calvin was in his prime at that time. I I take Calvin Johnson over Julio Jones every day. Um, of course. I you know I wonder about DeAndre Hopkins, and I may take DeAndre Hopkins over Julio Jones because of the quarterback that. DeAndre Hopkins, he, he finally got to play with a good one in Deshaun Watson, and then he gets traded to Arizona, yeah. where he finally gets to play with Kyler Murray. So it wasn't like he went from bad to bad quarterbacks, but in the beginning of DeAndre's career, I mean, it, it, was, it wasn't good. You know, a lot like Andre Johnson when he was playing for the Texans, not having a really mm-hmm. good quarterback to throw him the football. Um, but yeah, I think after you get past DeAndre Hopkins currently, you know, Julio's got to be up there in your top five, which kind of surprises uh, me yeah. with the such little value here. Yeah, I would say Antonio Brown is probably the one guy who might have had a better run than Julio, but it ended really badly in Pittsburgh. So it kind of makes puts a sour taste in my mouth. And Julio, and I want to really just give him credit for 2017 because I know Matt Ryan won the MVP, but he's, oh, he yeah. carried them in the postseason and got them uh, to a point where they were up 28 to three in the third quarter. And all they needed to do was kick a field goal and that game is over with. And then eventually uh, we know the rest. So Matt Ryan fumble led to them losing. And it's, I think it's important to note that if the Falcons have gone 29 and 37 in the four seasons since that game, they have made a playoff appearance in the year after, but they have been pretty bad um, since. And I wonder if that's part of Julio's frustrations. The other aspect of this is that Julio wanted to go play with a quarterback who might have a bigger arm than Matt Ryan. I don't know if he got that. Um, I am a big Ryan Tannehill fan and he's done really well as the starting quarterback as in, in Tennessee. But uh, as far as big arm guys, Ryan Tannehill is not one of the first five 
people I think of. Um, but nonetheless, um, you, you pair Julio Jones with A.J. Brown, who was pushing for this, calling for this, pleading for this, um, and Derrick Henry, you're looking at a pretty uh, balanced offense here, a nice one-two punch, one of the best one-two punches in the league, and then the um, workhorse, all workhorse running backs in Derrick Henry. So I expect Matt Ryan to have a really uh, – not Matt Ryan, Ryan Tannehill, excuse me, to have a wonderful year this year. And then I expect the, the Titans offense to be extremely fun to watch, even without Arthur Smith. Yeah, it goes back to are, – are, are the Titans doing this in response to the Chiefs and the Bills, um, even, even the Browns to a certain extent? But when, when we start taking a look at it, schematically it makes a lot of sense to get Julio Jones – uh, with A.J. Brown being able to slide over to the two, Julio Jones over to the one, Derrick Henry's still going to get his touches. I mean, there's going to be a lot of big plays to be had there. My concern with Tennessee is they still don't have an elite pass rusher. Their secondary is a huge question mark. Mm-hmm. Their linebackers are okay, but defensively, this team can't stop a nosebleed. So now – okay, you're trying to hang with these teams, but the difference between a team like the Bills and the Chiefs and the Browns is those three teams can play defense, Randy. So Mm -hmm. while you did make a big money move here and Ryan Tannehill, you know, took restructured some of his contracts so Julio can still make his money in this trade, I don't think the Titans moved up in the AFC from where they were last year. As crazy as that sounds right now is where is – where, where are the Tennessee Titans in the AFC? Well, look, I mean, I would still say the Chiefs and Bills are better. I would say the Browns are better. Um, I would say the Chargers are better. I'm very high on the Chargers. You can make a case the Ravens could still be better, the team that eliminated them in the playoffs last year. And even a team in their own division, the Colts might still be better than them. Mm-hmm. So I, I I don't know if this really propels the Titans. And we talked about Julio's health. I don't know if Julio's going to play that much. Like, if he, what if he only plays 10 games this year? Like, none of us are going to be shocked if that is the reality for Julio. And then it makes it more justified that you only gave up a second round pick to get him because you're like, look, this guy isn't playing 17 games and lighting the world on fire for us. Um, So I I don't think it really propels Tennessee because like you said, the defense really is atrocious and they're relying on a Bud Dupree coming back from an ACL. And then they're relying on Janoris Jenkins to be their number one corner. Who's on his third team in three, in two years. Like the the defense is a real concern. And that's, that's on Mike Vrabel too, because Mike Vrabel was a defensive coordinator. He's a defensive player in his day. Uh, And the defense has been pretty disappointing for Tennessee for quite some time now. Uh, But I'm excited to watch that, that big three right there. That is one of the more talented big threes we've seen on the offensive side of the ball. I think maybe the Big Ben, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, big three is, is probably the most talented one since then. Um, and I'm really excited to watch it. And they're going to put up a ton of fantasy points together. Yeah, I, I wonder, are, are the Chiefs getting enough credit with their big weapons here? Because, yeah. I mean, the Chiefs weapon-wise, I mean, they, they just throw guys at you. It's all speed. Um, I, I think with Brown, Julio, Derrick Henry, it's, I, I don't know if you're trying to find out if Tannehill's the guy. And, and if you are, I mean, it, you already paid him. So this move would be stupid if you're trying to find out if he's the guy after you gave him all that money. Um, at, at the end of the day, the loss of Arthur Smith is going to hurt this offense, I do believe. You know, just yeah. as an offensive coordinator, I don't, I don't think they get enough credit for when they call plays for the rhythm and the tempo and at which – 
you know, the feel for it. It's really a feel when you call plays offensively and having someone inexperienced or a new guy with this offense call those plays, it may not be easy for them initially. So I'm, I, I'm not in love with the Titans as a team. Offensively, I agree with you. It, it is going to be one of the better shows to watch offensively. They put up a lot of points last year. They're going to put up a lot of points this year. But still, they're not one of the top dogs in the AFC. Yeah, I agree with you. And uh, don't be surprised if the Falcons have a little bit of Ewing theory thing here um, with Calvin Ridley now and uh, Gage on the outside. And now with Pitts in the middle, what if losing Julio ends up opening up that offense and maybe get more balanced? Because a lot of times losing a, a stud receiver can do that for you. So I'm interested to see the Falcons. Like the Falcons, I know I don't expect them to be great or anything, but I'm intrigued uh, by their offense, especially with Arthur Arthur Smith after what he's done in Tennessee. Quick note before we move on, uh, A.J. Brown reportedly tried to give Julio number 11, yep. uh, and Julio declined and said he would take a new number. So if you're big into numbers here, uh, all the photoshops had Julio wear number eight. I don't really know what he's going to end up wearing. It seems pretty ins- insignificant, but I think that's some brownie points for his teammates that he wasn't a diva when he walked through the door saying, hey, I'm on number 11. Yeah, and Julio's never been that guy. And I, I think, you know, he, he'll fit in perfect with the locker room. I mean, Julio would have fit in perfect with 31 other teams, too. Like, there was no question of what type of character Julio brings. And, you know, that, that's a little refreshing to see here. Uh, quick note on the Falcons. I think they're going to be a little bit more surprising than people will give them credit for. Mm-hmm. I, I still think defensively they're lacking here. But like you said, I I do like what they have. I think they're going to run the football more than what they have in the past. And that's a staple Mm -hmm. of Arthur Smith. He really wants to open up that play action. So Kyle Pitts and, you know, he may have the best receiving numbers as a rookie since Justin Jefferson. And those numbers were impressive. Yeah. I mean, that, that's be even more impressive for a tight end there. So uh, definitely look interested to see what the Falcons look like on offense this year. All right. Uh, in non-surprising news, Matt Bush and all, but unfortunately this is what happens today and we have to report it. Uh, but the Green Bay Packers kicking off their full squad minicamp, mandatory minicamp, I might add. And someone uh, of note was not there. Uh, only the three-time NFL MVP, Super Bowl champion, 16-year veteran Aaron Rodgers, which if you've been following this saga since the draft day, uh, then you would know that this is probably not that surprising. So um, the only real update here is that um, – um, he's not there, and the the Packers can now find him um, over ninety three thousand dollars for missing this week's minicamp, making this officially a holdout situation, which obviously creates a little bit more controversy between the two sides. So, um, I'm not totally shocked at this, Matt, but nonetheless, uh, this is where we are now. Do you see this being resolved in the summer? Do you think Aaron Rodgers is playing quarterback for the Packers in, in week one? I don't. I, I think if, if you go the route of finding him as prickly as this relationship is right now, you know, there's a line in one of my favorite TV shows of all time, you know, Breaking Bad, where um, Hank Schrader confronts his brother-in-law, Walter White, in his garage. And Walter White tells Hank, the DEA agent, if you truly do not know who I am, then maybe your best course of action is to tread lightly. <laughs> and this is the Packers' best opportunity to tread lightly when it comes to A.A. Ron, because this is not the dude that you want to keep on pushing off the edge because he will retire. He, he, no qualms about it. And Jordan Love looked awful, looked awful. This 
the money for Devontae Adams, the defense, everything that you've done is going to go to hell in a handbasket if number 12 ain't there taking snaps for your team because Jordan Love isn't that dude. Jordan Love is the quarterback for this Packers team, Randy. They're finishing third or fourth in this division next year. And that is, as a Green Bay Packer fan and as a football fan and like anyone that wants to try to, you know, pinpoint Aaron Rodgers, whatever, it doesn't matter what you feel about the guy personally. This is a garbage team without him. This team is not good. Time and time again, they showed it. Without Aaron Rodgers, they have not historically been a good football team. They haven't even been average without Aaron Rodgers. And you want to stick Jordan Love back there? As a Bears fan, thank you. Keep on finding him. Keep on pushing him to the edge. Let him retire. Don't get jack squat in return. And you know what? Us Bears fans will send you a Christmas present, Green Bay. Well, you know, a nice cheese grater. Yeah, I mean, if you're a fan of a team in the NFC North that, that not named the Packers, you're probably thrilled about this entire situation. Um, but it's also important to mention here, Devontae Adams is pretty outspoken about this whole situation. And he basically says, if Aaron Rodgers isn't here, neither am I. So guess what? Jordan Love already uh, appears to be someone who's going to struggle, and he'll probably struggle even more without a guy like Devontae Adams on the outside. So the Packers could be in a situation where they go from an NFC title game game to uh, top five pick and if it really depends on how they handle this Aaron Rodgers situation and they know he's high maintenance and they know he's difficult to deal with and you know what he has a right to be a lot of those things um, do I think he's childish with a lot of this stuff of course but the Packers clearly are not handling this thing the right way and if they do find him and he decides he's going to retire that is completely on them to me yeah I, I don't look we know what the NFL is. It is a quarterback league. Quarterbacks make this league. Now, you can win a Super Bowl without a great one. You know, the Ravens have done it. Um, there's a the few Eagles other. Did it. Yeah, the Eagles. I mean, um, the Broncos won it with Peyton Manning, but that wasn't the Peyton Manning we were all no. used to. That, that was game manager Peyton. I mean, Joe Flacco won, won a Super Bowl. Yeah, but uh, I, I will stick up for Joe Flacco. He was playing out of his damn right. mind. Yeah, these guys are capable of getting hot. That's what I'm saying. You don't exactly. need a guy who's going to win MVP. But but you're not going to consistently be in that picture without a Mahomes, without a Rodgers, without mm -hmm. a Brady. Like, these guys keep you in there consistently. And for the fact that you want to try to push this guy away with fines, with little snide comments, you want to publicly say, we'll call his bluff. Good luck. Good luck. Have fun with the Jordan Love era. And there's like a whole contingent of Packers fans on social media that are like, oh, we went from Favre to Rodgers. Like, Love's going to be this next guy. And I'm like, look, I don't <laughs> know what to tell you, but they lucked into Rodgers so bad because the Niners didn't take him and they took Alex Smith and said, and then he dropped to you. It is a completely different situation this time around because you thought Aaron Rodgers wasn't good anymore and you traded up to pick this guy from what Utah state, I believe it was, yep. he was the already like the fifth best quarterback prospect in that draft. And you reached to take him. You got the second best quarterback prospect, if not the best quarterback prospect in 2006, when Aaron Rodgers fell to you, you didn't have to trade up. You didn't have to do anything. He literally fell to you as a gift. And then Brett Favre was like, okay, whatever. And they still sat behind him for two years. 
this is not the same situation. And Aaron Rodgers won NFL MVP last year. So you're pushing out a guy who carried you to the point of what you got. And yeah, he didn't play amazing in that game, but you could have called some different plays. You could have made some different decisions and maybe you could have represented the NFC in the Super Bowl. Jordan Love is not going to be the next Aaron Rodgers. Enough with this. Yeah, you could have went for it on fourth down. Instead yeah. of kicking a dumbass field goal. I mean, it's still it, perplexing. Yeah. I mean, this falls on the coach for them not being in the Super Bowl. You got 12 yeah. back there. Let him do what he does best and throw the football. I, you know what? If let him move on, let him move on. The NFC North, Chicago Bears, the Bears. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe Denver gets the straight done in the summertime here. I don't really know what to expect here, but nonetheless, we're officially in holdout time there in Wisconsin. All right. Well, we're talking about greatness a lot on this show, Matt Bushnell. We talk, I, mean, I don't want to speak in hyperbole here, but literally the, one of the greatest players ever retired last, since the last time we've done our own show. And he is the greatest kicker of all time. I'm not here to have any other argument about that. And he is the all-time leading scorer in NFL history. After 24 seasons, Adam Vinatieri has officially retired. And this, has been in the, this was in the news a couple weeks ago, but it happened after our last show. So I really wanted to touch on it because we don't ever talk about kickers. And when we do, it's usually because they're bad. But I wanted to talk about Adam Vinatieri because time and time again, he was so reliable in the best possible spots for the New England Patriots and for the Indianapolis Colts. Off the top of my head, the five most important kicks in NFL history, most of them, or at least three of them were made by him. Um, And most notably, the one against Oakland in the snow. I still don't know how he made that kick. You couldn't even see the uprights. I I don't know how he made the kick. But an absolute nail for Vinatieri. Um, 24 seasons. I mean, when you're a kicker, you don't get hit. So you can really make this thing last if you're you're good enough. Um, But he was – he's 48 years old, only a three-time pro bowler, which seems insane. Um, But he had – he has so many um, records as a kicker and he has 29 game winning kicks. And like I said, some of the more notable ones here, I just felt like we had to do our due diligence because we always talk about when guys retired, this man might set the standard for hall of famer kickers um, in, in our sport. And uh, I mean, he really was the best of the best for two decades. An unbelievable player. Um, typically I don't give a lot of respect to kickers because I think yeah. it's part of the game that really frustrates me the most is that the balance of a football game can hinge on one guy's foot when, you know, and, and it cuts both ways, but you had, you know, 70 other plays or 60 other plays to determine the outcome. And it comes to this, um, but what you can't take away from Barry is how clutch, how much of a, you know, he was loved by his teammates. Everyone loved him that played with them. And he was there in the biggest moments. He won a Super Bowl with the Colts, I believe, as well. I, I, I want to say that he did. He yep. may not have. Okay. So yep. three with the Pats, one with the Colts. Three with the Pats, one with the Colts. And this guy left a lot in the tank, played a long time. He is the greatest kicker of all time, in my opinion. I I don't think that's a stretch. He scored the most points. He was extremely accurate through his entire career. You know, during our lifetime, you say, you know, maybe three of the most iconic kicks of all time, maybe four, because Mm -hmm. the first Super Bowl against, I mean, just that um, playoff run where he kicked it in the snow, then they played the Rams and the game winning mm-hmm. field goal in that super bowl i mean those are two of the most iconic kicks in playoff history and they happened in the same year by the same guy and then also right. that super bowl winning kick against the panthers so right 2 years later or 3 years later yep yep so i mean he's been vital to the you know the patriot success to the 
Colts Super Bowl win against my beloved Chicago Bears. But, um, <laughs> you, you know, he, he belongs in the Hall of Fame. Um, kickers usually make it. I, I know there's another special teamer that we'll talk about because he better get in or the NFL is a Hall of Fame is a complete sham. And that's for Devin Hester. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm just going to stump for Devin Hester right now. When it comes to special teamers, he is the best to ever do it. So mm-hmm. Vinatieri, Hall of Famer, slam dunk, first ballot. We don't really need to play around. And for him not to get in the first ballot would be a crime. Yeah, um, like you mentioned, he had game-winning kick in Super Bowl 36, game-winning kick in Super Bowl 38, kicked two field goals in Super Bowl 39 against the Eagles. So it's not like he just is along for the ride on these Super Bowls. Like, he yeah. won these games. Like, he came in in the most high-pressure situations you could think of and won the games. Um, just some numbers to back up in Terry's case here. Uh, 242 regular season wins. Uh, most field goal attempts, 715. The third oldest player to appear in an NFL game. He scored points in 47 different NFL stadiums. <laughs> he played in six AFC championship games, five Super Bowls, uh, and 397 um, games in general. Um, he has 21 100-point seasons, and that was uh, he shattered the record, which was previously 16. He made a league record 10 game-winning kicks in overtime. And he holds the mark for most consecutive field goals in 44. He was 56 of 69 field goals in the postseason, as we talked about. Like, I can't even believe he missed that many field goals. That seems insane that he even missed 13. It feels like he was money always, but that's crazy, too. Um, he also played 365 regular season games. Only player to ever play more was Morton Anderson at 382. So he also, two 1,000-yard uh, scorer, uh, he scored 1,000 uh, points with two different franchises. The only player in NFL history to do that. So the Colts and Patriots, he could wear a hat in there with half Patriots, half Colts for all I care. He'll probably go in as a Patriot because of the, the titles, but Vinatieri, without a shadow of a doubt, the single greatest kicker that ever played the sport. Yep. I, I can't add any more than that, Randy. That was beautiful. All right. Tear to my yeah, Adam Vinatieri, congrats. Godspeed. All right. Unfortunately, we have some sad news to talk about. And as a Giants fan, this really hit home to me because I, I have been watching the Giants play football for a little over 20 years now. And the coach when I first started was Jim Fossil. I remember when he left, I remember fans were pissed when he left and they brought in Tom Coughlin. They were not happy about it at all. But uh, I woke up this morning, I'm working at my job and I'm, I'm, I'm preparing the news that I make. And then um, I get a notification that Jim Fossil had died at 71 years old. His son is currently the special teams coach with the Dallas Cowboys. He informed the LA times that he had died of a heart attack outside of Las Vegas. Um, look, Jim Fossil was not the greatest coach by any means, but he was a, still a damn good coach and underrated. He led the Giants to Super Bowl 35 with Kerry Collins as his quarterback. Like, I, I don't want to stress that enough. Like, Kerry Collins was the Giants quarterback, and he took him to a Super Bowl. And it's not like they were the most talented team of all time. Like, they had talent. They had Michael Strahan on that team. They still had some good players on defense. Um, Tiki Barber and Amani Toomer were still good offensive players. But you had Kerry Collins, a journeyman NFL quarterback. Uh, but Fossil was uh, the Giants coach from 1997 until 2003, won the NFL Coach of the Year Award in 1997, and he posted a 58-53-1 record. Um, he did lose that game in the, in the Super Bowl to the Baltimore Ravens, 34-7, but that day Ravens defense is highly touted as one of the best defenses to ever win a Super Bowl. So as a Giants fan, to me, I always considered him to be a, a, one of the more underrated head coaches in Giants history. A lot of guys say 
that Tom Coughlin was um, the second best coach ever to Bill Parcells. I would argue that Jim Fossil was a better coach even than Tom Coughlin was, because I think Jim Fossil got more out of less than Tom Coughlin did. I think Tom Coughlin, obviously he won uh, Super Bowls, which is very important, but, but Jim Fossil never had the quarterback situation that Tom Coughlin had. And then regardless of your feelings on Eli Manning to have the stability of him there and Eli Manning still puts in the work to be as good as he possibly can be, that matters. Um, when you have Kerry Collins and you have Danny Cannell and you have Jesse Palmer and Dave Brown as your quarterbacks, it's a lot harder to succeed. So to me, Jim Fossil was always that guy who got so much out of so, uh, out of so little. And then there's a whole other aspect aspect of it, Matt Bushnell. He was the head coach in, for the Giants when 9-11 happened. And the, this is obviously the 20-year anniversary of 9-11 coming up this year. And they played the Denver Broncos the Monday night before the September 11th attacks, which is obviously that Tuesday morning. He was asked by then Mayor Rudy Giuliani to go downtown to Ground Zero and just say, hey, go and talk to these first responders who are helping clean everything up. And he's like, well, what can I do? I, I, I'm just the head coach of the Giants. Who gives a shit about me? He just went and bit and went himself and was like, hey, great job, guys. Anything I can do to help? Hey, what can I do? Anything I can do here or there? That meant the world to these people down there. That a guy like that, who didn't have to care, went down there and cared. And then he ended up raising over a million dollars for these first responders to have, take care of medical bills, uh, whether it's therapy or whatever it is, because they obviously have trauma from that to this day. So Jim Fossil was a huge, huge player in the recovery effort after 9-11. Uh, and then, of course, as a Giants fan, I'll never forget the most one of the better speeches you'll ever hear from a coach. I think in a, a sports center did this top 10 of coach outbreaks and he was number six on the list. But he basically said they had lost two games in a row in November of, of, of 2000. And he said, I'm putting it all on the line right now. I'm putting all my chips on the table. This team's making the playoffs. You can if you want in, get in. If you want out, then get out. But this is on me. And I'm telling you right now, they're going to the playoffs. And I have chills just thinking about it because I'll never forget him saying that. And that's just the kind of guy he was. So Jim Fossil, you'll never forget your first is what they say. Jim Fossil, thanks for the great memories, my friend. And rest in peace. Uh, yeah, that's that's hard to follow, Randy. I, I can just give some memories of Fossil. <laughs> Please do. My favorite Jim Fossil game was the uh, 2000 NFC Championship game mm -hmm. where they just spanked the Minnesota Vikings into submission. I, I, that, that made my year um, watching them do that. But Jim Fossil, the man, when you talk to football people, he was a football man. I mean, he was a devoted family man, loved his family, everything that you heard about him and how other people talked about him. He wasn't the best X's and O's guy. I mean, he just, just wasn't. And, you know, not all coaches are. But as a man that walked in there and got the respect of players, front office people, fans, I, I always felt Fossil had that level of respect among every person that he interacted with and even opposing fans. So when you hear a guy like Jim Fossil, it does feel like a life that was lost too soon. Um he was so vibrant and so energetic. You just felt the energy from Jim Fossil. And it's just really heartbreaking to see a person like that go at the young age of 71, who you feel like had so much energy still to give. So rest in peace, Jim.
Yeah, 71 obviously feels young these days. You know, it just definitely does feel like a life gone too soon. And I want to talk about in general here quick. When you're a Giants fan, you know, the Giants have never been this organization who's going to be the beacon of success, who's going to be the the standard of consistency. Like you see the Patriots of the last 20 years or, or the Chiefs of, you know, now like the Giants have never been that. But what the Giants are is a franchise uh, who, when your backs are up against the wall, um, you respond. When you fail, you get knocked down, you get back up. And that, to me, is what Jim Fossil was all about. He, he could take the blows, but he never let it get him down, and he would bounce back. And that's like, honestly, life is a lot about failures, and you learn a lot about life with failure. And that's, to me, what Jim Fossil was. He never took something as devastating as a loss could be because he had some brutal ones, including yeah. the wild card round in 2001 is one of the more notable ones. They lost, they had a 38 to 14 lead on the 49ers and they lost 39 to 38. Like that was the most painful loss I can remember for a long time. But he said like, we can either sit here and dwell on it or we can, you know, move forward with this because ultimately that's what life is all about is just continuing to move forward. So he epitomized that to me as the Giants head coach. And, and that's really what the Giants identity was a lot about is about, resilience it's about bouncing back when when things get rough so um Jim Fossil was the the, like I said the first Giants coach when I started watching and uh, I still to this day will never forget the signs in the stands in 2003 um when they were moving on from him and said you know getting rid of coach Fossil would be a giant mistake and it was like the old old giant Mm -hmm. logo like they had their the fans like loved him and honestly that's why they didn't love Coughlin at first too is that they were like you know let let Fossil get a chance to coach whatever quarterback you bring in. And unfortunately he never had the chance to do that with Eli, but nonetheless, uh, RIP to Jim Fossil and uh, he'll be a mess. Uh, there's a lot of great tributes too. So if you, if you're a fan of the giants, go see Michael Strahan's Tiki barbers, a lot of old players who, who love him. Um, and then also there's a, as a Twitter account, who's been posting videos from the fossil era giants all day. It's called big blue VCR. And I've been retweeting it all day on my Twitter account, but it's a bunch of old clips. Like I, like clips I've never, I don't remember from before I even started watching, but it was all about like fossils, um, not like willingness to, to, to fight no matter what. And it's like the highlights from the Broncos game when they were 13 and 0 in 1998 and they, they spoiled their undefeated season, which you know, the Giants seem to have a knack for those sort of things. So um, that that's cool. So go check that out. If, if you're, even if you're not a Giants fan, it's just cool to see the old tapes, but all right. It's never easy to move on from this sort of thing. I'm just rambling at this point, but Jim Fossil, <laughs> thanks for all the memories and rest in peace. Uh, big guy. All right, Matt Bushnell. So over the weekend <laughs> Sunday here, there was, uh, a fight uh, supposedly um but F- Floyd Mayweather who uh is considered the greatest boxer of all time by many is 50 and 0 um to me is the biggest joke of a great uh, per- sports representative as there is because he doesn't actually fight people when the time is right he is a money grabber he never looks like he even gets hit in the face which I guess is the point but still he doesn't exactly fight in an entertaining style I'm not a boxing purist so please excuse me uh for being ignorant on the subject but he fought a YouTube influencer Logan Paul uh and his brother Jake Paul has been in several of these fights as well recently um but I didn't watch it and buy, but I did see the highlights after the fact. And this wasn't a fight at all, Matt. This was a hugging uh, competition. They, they fought, they, they literally danced and they hugged and they danced and they hugged for eight rounds. It got me thinking, all right, remember celebrity death match using before my time, but I remember celebrity death match. We need to get some football players in the <laughs> ring here, Matt. And we need to get some real fights going on. Don't you think? 
Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> what did you get to see any of that over the weekend before we go into, into this? Yeah, I mean, I, look, I, I, me as a boxing fan, I loved Foreman and Ali, uh, Frazier, Ali, uh, the, the classic fights, Rocky Marciano, um, you know, Buster Douglas, of course, Mike Tyson in his prime. Uh, I, I even one of my favorite fighters recently was Manny Pacquiao, mm-hmm. Pac-Man, and I'm going to give Floyd some credit for his career, not this fight, but F- Floyd rarely gets hit. He's got lightning fast hands. I mean, his hands are so damn fast. You don't even know you got hit until you got hit. But Floyd has tarnished some boxing legacy you know this this the sport has become a joke in these fights with logan paul mm-hmm. now L- logan paul I'm, g- I'm gonna give him a little credit here he is an accomplished wrestler so he he is he has a background in wrestling unlike his brother so jake paul does have some skills when it comes to grappling and mm-hmm. you saw that come into play in the boxing match he the, the kid has a chin jake paul does because Floyd did land a couple of shots. Lloyd's or Floyd's not a knockout person. If he was in the ring with like a Manny Pacquiao or, you know, God forbid he got into the ring with one of the heavyweights, they would have knocked his ass out cold pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But, but Floyd deserves a lot of credit for his career. I mean, you can't take away from, I mean, 50 and 0 is 50 and 0. The, the guy moves. He understands the sweet signs of boxing, but He's never going to be one of my favorite boxers, to your point. You know, I, I felt like he's ducked some so many big fights yeah. until the fight, the fighter that he should have fought is past his prime or, you know, is at the end of the road. And that sucks because Pacquiao Mayweather, when both of them in their prime, that would have been such a fantastic fight. Yeah. But, you know, here we are. But the fight overall was a joke um, mm-hmm. outside of. Floyd landing some he landed a couple of nice hooks hit Jake on the jaw and then Jake was just trying to survive and if that's what you call boxing you know if you paid for that on pay-per-view I'm sorry I want to know why you did that because (laughs) I mean this is every Floyd Mayweather fight for the last 10 years (laughs) yeah Uh, it's it's bad anyway uh we did have a former NFL player box before uh Floyd Mayweather took the um (laughs) <laughs> the ring. Um, and it was at Chad Ochocinco. Uh, he was in an amateur uh, <laughs> fight um, and against a guy named Brian Maxwell. I'm not sure who that is, but Chad, John, uh, Chad Ochocinco, I should say, um, got knocked down in the fourth round, um, but he got back up and he finished the fight. And this, there's no judges and this is all ex- exhibition, so it didn't really count. But um, I didn't watch anything from the Chad Johnson thing, but that kind of made me start thinking about other players potentially fighting. And, um, you know, Chad Ochocinco, man, did you see any of that? Were you surprised he even got into this uh, um, contest here? I'm, I'm kind of surprised he tried it out. Yeah, I, look, here's the thing. You know, guys like Chad Ochocinco and even Jake Paul to a certain extent and then his idiotic brother, Logan Paul, like when you get into the ring with a boxer, like a pure boxer, these guys, you, you can tell when they go at it, mm-hmm. when, when they're engaged. I forgot who Chad fought, but you could tell the he laid off the gas. He wasn't out there to knock out Chad. 
Um, Chad took a shot in the fourth. It was a hell of a shot, but it wasn't, you know, knockout worthy. It, it wouldn't have knocked out any other boxer. So to, to me, these guys, if you want to get boxing back in the limelight, these guys got to fight against the best of the best. Like you have too many belts, WBC, all, all this, you know, too many organizations. No, all that needs to go to way, go away. It has to be like UFC to a certain extent where the best fight the best. Could you imagine? And I hate going to the wrestling route here, but could you imagine Vince McMahon not having Stone Cold Steve Austin fight the rock? Yeah. I mean, like, been bad. Yeah, it, the biggest pay-per-view draw ever. It's just like, nope, we're not going to do it. But NFL football players have skills on the football field. And I, I firmly believe this. You train your entire life to do a sport. Mm-hmm. You are specialized in that sport. Once you go in and you dip your toes into that other, you know, that other part of the pool, mm-hmm. you're out of your element. You want to get into a ring with a boxer, uh uh-uh. uh, but NFL player and NFL player, oh hell yeah, let's go there. <laughs> yes, because this is the thing. Uh, NFL players are psychopaths. They take beatings like no other. Uh, and honestly, they're quick. They're 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 in good shape most of them. So I mean, I wanted to go down the line here and figure out who in the NFL could be a good boxer. And this is obviously fantasy land. So like, we're gonna talk about heavyweights. We're gonna talk about smaller guys because like we just said, hey, who would be a good boxer? Like, okay, Aaron Donald by far, um, which is going to be knocking guys out, maybe committing murders, <laughs> like legal murders that, uh, with that we could, we would be hard to watch, but um, I want to go position by position with you, Matt Bush, and I'll talk about some of these other positions that we probably would never even re- referenced if we didn't go this way. Cause I, the receivers are funny to me. The quarterbacks are funny. So let's start right there at the quarterback position. Obviously there's 32 starters in the league. If you had to just throw a couple names out there, like, all right, you're a quarterback, so you don't even get hit that often, but there's some stockier guys who are quick, who got some muscles, like who could get into the ring and maybe hold their own. First one comes to mind is Cam. I, I, I think Cam could get in the ring and hold his own. Um, geez, I, I had another one at the top of my head. You said Big Ben earlier. Yeah, that's another. Big Ben's kind of old and wily, but you know, I, I could see Tom Brady getting hit in the face and looking for a yellow flag. <laughs> you know, this, he's on the, the bottom of the list here. He's yeah. not getting in the ring. <laughs> yeah, I have no desire to see Tom Brady in a ring either. But a guy like Aaron Rodgers would be the same type. I have no desire. Like quarterbacks are so hard. Russell Wilson might be interesting. He might be sneaky as like a light heavyweight, a lightweight um to see him go at it. I think he's got a little moxie to him. He takes a beating and you know, he likes to give himself fun nicknames. So yeah, he might work out. I I think of a guy like Jalen hurts. I think he's built the right way. He's physical. I think that he could maybe hold his own, but the other guy I thought of was somebody who I just think would be entertaining in the buildup would be Baker Mayfield. Um, I think he would talk a ton of shit and get in there, at least try. Like he might get knocked out, but I think it would be fun to see him give it a go. He'd definitely get knocked out. <laughs> um, yeah. Wow. Baker Mayfield. <laughs> Jesus. Criminy. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick I mean, would be interesting. Yeah. I think the short arms hurts him a little bit, but then I'm thinking of guys who are built like a brick shit house, and Josh Allen is pretty built. <laughs> And I, I think about him, I, I think he could do all right. And I think he has, you know, pretty strong arms. Um, so I would like to see Josh Allen too. You know, 
Okay, so I, I'm going to go away from who I think would do good versus who I want to see get hit in the face. <laughs> Kirk Cousins. I want to see Kirk Cousins to eat a punch. <laughs> That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> well done. That was funny. Uh, all right, well, that's this quarterback. We got some other positions to talk about here. Now I want to get into running backs. So we're going to go down the line, as if you would, in the fantasy uh, talk here. Uh, running backs is interesting because you have some small guys. You got some taller guys. You got some quick guys. But you're also some, some classical, stocky running backs but to me i think i want to think of a guy who's physical someone who's hard to bring down doesn't avoid the contact and i can't help but to go anywhere other than derrick henry uh he's massive and it's he's hard to take down so why wouldn't i start there yeah i, I think he's a good one and i i think running back this where it gets a little bit thicker i mean legarrett blunt yeah. I, I think legarrett blunt if he doesn't get gassed early i think he could really do some damage i think he's a powerful guy a guy that I think could last a while and has a really strong base, Saquon Barkley. I think mm-hmm. Saquon Barkley could hold his own. He's and, got quick feet, so. Yeah, and, and we know feet, you got to have quick feet in boxing. Yep. And, um, God, I'm forgetting the other running back just on the top of my mind. Joe Mixon. Okay. Oh, I, I'm taking that back. That's not I fair. was going to say, that, that that feels like it's a shot. <laughs> it, it, it's definitely a shot. <laughs> if you know anything about Joe Mixon's past, uh, <laughs> that's borderline inappropriate. Uh, that's that's funny. Um, but if I want to – there's a one other guy that's not active anymore that comes to mind. It's Brandon Jacobs. Um, Brandon Jacobs laid the wood on the opposing defenses, and I think he has the mindset to get in there and go, I'm a bad MFer. I'm going to knock you out. So I think Brandon Jacobs would be the ideal kind of guy to get in there. Obviously, he's massive and happy a heavyweight, but I think of Brandon Jacobs too. Yeah, and uh, another retired running back, Marion the Barbarian Barber. Okay. That that, that guy hunted for contact. You know, he put his head down all the time, but – um, he'd be interesting to see. I, I could see him taking some punches, just keeping his hands down, looking mm-hmm. for the knockout blow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I always think of like Earl Campbell, like obviously he like oh. obviously headbutted people. Um, but like, would he be able to get in there? Like, obviously he seeks the contact. So he, he could probably eat shots like nobody else. Um, I mean, running backs are psychopaths. Like, I don't think people realize how often they get hit in general. So I think they might be the best experiment with this because they're like, they'd be like a cockroach. Like, they could just keep getting hit, (laughs) just keep coming back for more because that's what they do for a living. Yeah, well, them and linebackers. I think think running backs and linebackers would probably be the ones that would really excel at this exhibition. Yeah. All right, let's move on to wide receivers, which is very interesting because you've got divas, you've got small guys, quick little slot guys who don't love to get hit. Um, I don't know, is, is there any receiver nowadays that actively seeks contact? Like, is it A.J. Brown? Like, is it like a guy like that? Like, I, Jacob said D.K. Metcalf in the comments. I think that's probably a good one just because of his physical nature in general. But is there any wide receiver that comes to mind for you? Who I, I think there are a couple out there that could really make – the same i think mike evans would, would do reach. Fairly, yeah yeah i mean he's got some long arms and he'll jab you to death um you, you know i i think dk metcalf is a good answer i think he can definitely do some damage i i think the issue with what you said with the small little guys is that there's they don't want to get hit you know they're, they're in and out of their breaks mm-hmm. they fall down before they catch the football so you know, like every wide receiver that was drafted this year, you know, could, could you imagine Devonte Smith in a boxing ring? Oh God, no. <laughs> 
But I mean, the thing about boxing, at least there's weight uh, classes. So like the least guys are going to be like welterweights or whatever smaller version of that, a featherweight or whatever it is. Like Cole Beasley uh, could get in the ring probably and, and hold his own. Like he's like that scrappy slot guy. Um, I remember one time I, I was watching NFL films just do mic'd up on the sideline and they had Sterling Shepard mic'd up. Ooh. He's a lunatic. Like he is legitimately insane. Like I, I just think he would hold his own just the fact because he is nuts. Um, so in, in a smaller weight class, like I think he could be okay. Um, and then like uh, Adam Thielen, obviously he, he gets a, he's a fighter. I wouldn't say he's the most physical guy, but I think he could take some shots. Um, but overall, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're going receiver. You might want to go reach here. So maybe DeAndre Hopkins, uh, could do some things um maybe even julio who knows like julio is still pretty well put together um even if, while being tall like i think the, the height might have the advantage more than anything else yeah and thanks to Corey richmond we found out his number is now number two for tennessee so maybe he would be the second best boxer <laughs> as an nfl receiver yes um maybe the worst receiving option worst wide receiver option here would be michael thomas <laughs> i feel like michael thomas is like the softest receiver <laughs> in the league uh he's always crying and you know he never really gets uh, hit he plays in the dome like i think michael thomas would probably be the worst at this experiment yeah that that, that would be interesting i don't know god i i hate to think of michael thomas in that life but i i, I yeah. guess you're right you know um, Jacob said Jose Barrios on the Jets. Yeah. Nah. Feisty slot guy. I mean, that makes sense. Um, what was another name came to mind? And it's something my mind. Oh, uh, Jarvis Landry. Like, I feel like Jarvis Landry is always getting into the thick of it uh, for the Browns, even when he was with the Dolphins. Like, he's always kind of like getting into it with linebackers and stuff. So, I think Jarvis Landry could be pretty feisty too. Yeah. Historically, the one guy, and, you know, since we do it with running backs, Steve Smith is going to be the dude yes. you don't want to mess with in this. Yes. Because I feel Steve Smith will knock a lot of fools out. Uh-huh. I love that. I mean, Steve Smith is such a good one because he really challenged and fought all kinds of people. Like Andre Johnson got into it with Corlin Finnegan that one time. So that just makes me want to have those two fight each other in a boxing match. Like that might just be because I remember so vividly that fight. But, um, you know, historically speaking, like you're, you're looking at receivers like, okay, well, Plexico Burris had a stupid range, you know, like he had long arms and uh, as long as he doesn't have a gun, uh, <laughs> you know, he'd probably be okay. But uh, yeah, this is, I, I like this experiment. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty fun because now you move on to tight ends, which is a whole different dynamic because the old, the old school physical ones are blockers as well as people who catch the ball over the middle and get smoked by, by safeties. So I think these are like one of the more athletic players on the football field, but you have to pick one who is also physical because there are a lot of guys now who are just pass catchers and not blockers. So yeah. with a tight end, like a modern day tight end, Matt, like who's someone that comes to mind for you? Because a lot of guys now are more receivers than they are blockers. I think TJ Hawkerson is one yeah. guy. Um, Irv Smith interests me. I think Irv Smith could throw hands. So um, Evan Ingram might be interesting because we know he can't catch a football. Okay. So, All right. Who cares if he damages his hands is what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he doesn't use those things anyway. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, I, it's hard to nowadays because like you said, I mean, mostly these guys are now receivers. They mm -hmm. split out wide like Travis Kelsey. I, I wouldn't count on him being some great boxer. Um, I, I think he's a little soft, but he's great for a tight end. So who knows? 
I got one and it's an easy one, but it's Gronk. <laughs> Gronk's a meathead. Um, I don't think he would take, I think he would take punches and just eat them and then be dumb enough to have the strength of a moron to knock someone out. Like I, I <laughs> Gronk is a physical freak. Like I just think Gronk is the best answer here right now. Yeah. I could see Gronk doing okay. Um, I, I think his win loss record, I think he would have the most fights for yeah. sure. But his win-loss record would probably be close to even, I think. Yeah. Well, like, like, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, like, like you said, he's going to eat a lot of punches. I yeah. think he's going to get knocked out a time or two. He's not going to protect himself very well. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> the art of getting hit and not getting hit would be the uh, not the philosophy for Gronk. But also George Kittle um, is very physical and is a wrestling fan. So um, there's still some sort of connection. Um I think George Kittle actually could be solid there too. Yeah. I think George Kittle's big enough where he could cause some problems. I'm obviously he's going to be a heavyweight. Yeah. So I I like that answer. I think George Kittle would present some problems. Yeah. Okay. So offensive line is where it gets tricky. Actually, before we move on offensive line, tight end historically, uh, Mark Bavaro (laughs) is a Giants fan. Uh, There was no man harder to bring down than him. um, And he was not afraid of anything. So I would be remiss if I did not mention his name at least. So any old school tight ends that come to mind for you? Oh boy, Uh, man. Back in the sixties and seventies. I mean, first of all, we go back to fifties, sixties and seventies. These guys weren't making a lot of money. A lot of these guys did dabble in boxing. So it wasn't like, some I can't remember some of the names, but there's a few NFL players. But tight ends were more like an offensive, an extra offensive lineman back then. Um, yeah. y- you had like receivers. Mike Ditka could do both. He could block. I was gonna and, say Ditka. I'm like, what about Ditka? I, I I think I mean he's from Pennsylvania. Those guys yeah. like to tout their toughness, and I'm not saying <laughs> that they're not tough. Um, Ditka might be able to do all right. Um, I, surprisingly, I think Kellen Winslow Senior would be able to hold his own fairly well because he had those long arms and, you know, I think he could reach and keep himself protected, but, you know, to go back and name some of those other guys, like I said, they're basically an offensive lineman being extended. So I, I have a feeling that some of these guys would do really good back in the day, but I just can't Probably. give any names. Also, I'll just say, as a Giants fan, Jeremy Shockey uh, always was fighting people uh, and costing teams penalties. So I could see Jeremy Shockey doing pretty well, too. Didn't he get it? I, I thought Jeremy Shockey got into some combat sports. He might have. Yeah, you might yeah. be right about that. Yeah, yeah so, I uh, being that guy. Yeah, meathead, you know, physical player, you know. Uh, all right, offensive line. You you pointed out a concern before the show that offensive linemen are grabby. They would probably do a lot of what we saw on Sunday of the hugging and the holding each other up. And, hey, they're big guys. This is like a butterbean aspect here. We're, we're approaching <laughs> super heavyweights when we get to the offensive linemen here. But offensive linemen are still athletic as all hell, regardless of their physical stature. Um, I, my mind immediately goes to Quentin Nelson because of all those clips that you see of him going, ah, and just smacking pancaking the shit out of a dude um i think this is more set up for a guard than a tackle but nobody really comes to mind other than nelson i would say i think that's probably where my mind goes um look i i think there's some guys out there that are nasty as hell yeah that you just don't know about that, that, you know first of all offensive linemen are dirty as fuck um <laughs> at, at, at every level you know, they're uneducated, mean-spirited people that will grab you anywhere, including your private parts. They have no shame. So, 
as as far as a boxing match, I could see a lot of these guys getting disqualified. Brandon Albert would be one mm-hmm. guy that would seriously knock the living shit out of people. Mm-hmm. Um, that guy was a road grade mover. Orlando Pace would have beat shit out of people. Um, you know, there's some guys here that would just dominate other guys. But it's just, if you get a guy that can move, these offensive linemen aren't lasting. Right. <laughs> they're about two rounds and they're done. They're going to be gassed. <laughs> so I, I think it depends. But I, I like Nelson. I, Brandon Albert, I know he's retired. Um, you know, uh, there's a center for the Bears, Sam Mustafer, who's nasty as crap. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a dirty, not a very nice human. So, yeah, um, a, a new guy that I think that's going to be adversarial, and that's Tevin Jenkins. That mm-hmm. kid's nasty. Mm-hmm. So, watch out for that. Um, a couple other names I'll throw out to Makai Becton. Uh, seems oh. like a guy who's not going to take any shit from anyone. Uh, and then Taylor Luan, who actually fights people on the football field. So, uh, Christian, <laughs> I think Taylor Luan. Yeah, yeah. Christian Wurtz. Uh, okay. Well, he it, was great for the Bucks last year too. So. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. That that kid's just mean. Okay. Well, there you have all the offensive side of the ball. Before we move to defense, I just want to point out Jacob met Braxton Berrios, which makes a lot more sense because Jose Berrios obviously plays for the Minnesota Twins. Uh, I mean, <laughs> we probably well, should have realized that. <laughs> if he wants to step into a boxing ring right now and they can lose him for the rest of the season, just let's just bury the Twins. <laughs> Well, let's get Jose Barrios against Braxton Barrios in the ring. How about that? We'll just do that. I'm good with that. All right. Uh, we just created a whole card right there. All right. Uh, now to the defense. Let's start with the defensive line. And obviously you can go end, you can go tackle. And we obviously said Aaron Donald is the unanimous number one overall pick for this exercise. So we're going to exclude Aaron Donald here because he is clearly the number one guy. Uh, as far as interior uh, defensive linemen, uh, my mind goes to a dirty motherfucker who's been playing for a long time. And Indomitian Sue. Indomitian Sue would knock the shit out of people. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, like Indomitian Sue, you could also argue is like a fake tough guy but there's no doubt about he is a dirty guy who will try to win at all costs i think he would lead boxing and disqualifications <laughs> he probably would yeah much like he has for for the nfl um as far as outside uh and pass rushers here um i mean it's hard to ignore miles carrot just being a physical freak of nature like he is terrifying whether he's dunking a basketball or rushing the passer like I think he could literally just knock someone out cold um and then TJ Watt I I, I love TJ Watt's strength I think he's quick enough and compact enough where he could uh, box in a different weight class than probably those other two guys but still uh his strength and he's gonna he's got a good first jab too like I, I think that it could translate as well so those are a few guys I think of yeah um I, I, outside rushers I do agree with Miles Garrett I think you missed the boat on Khalil Mack no Khalil Mack is strong as hell and if you ever watch him he gives you that one arm and he pushes your body off of his with ferocity ferocity so um I I think that would be good I think J.J. Watt um would be interesting to see on there because he's just a big strong asshole he's massive (laughs) yeah he really is he's just one gigantic massive asshole uh and then I, I think a couple of guys that may get lost in the shuffle, Ed Oliver, mm. who's got really quick hands and yeah. can really set up a punch. Um, geez, I'm forgetting someone else. Ugh. Carlos Dunlap would be interesting because I think Carlos Dunlap has the longest arms in the NFL for an edge rusher. Mm. 
So he, he does a really good job with those long arms. Yeah. I, I think looking for retired guys like Jared Allen, I thought would think would be really good at this. Julius Peppers was so fast that I think he would be able to move, like strike and move, strike and move. Like I think of guys like that. And um, I had another name, but it's escaping me. But anyone historically, I mean, there's so many legendary defensive players like Deacon Jones, <laughs> like close line people. <laughs> so I think that obviously he would have a monster hook. But I mean, defensive linemen, those are about some of the nastiest players there ever have been. Jack Ham, Jack Lambert, um, Steve Mongo McMichael, who's battling ALS. God bless you, Steve. Hopefully you can. I mean, obviously we know what the sentence is with ALS. You're not going to come out of that a winner. But hopefully, you know, he takes care of himself and lives a good, decent rest of his life. Um, you know, Dan Hampton is, is another name. Dan Hampton, if I know Bears fans know of Dan Hampton. I don't know how the NFL world feels about Dan Hampton. If they know enough about him. I know he's before your time, Randy. But Dan Hampton was called the Danimal for a reason. That dude was, his hands were the size of turkeys. And he just, you know, crushed people. Um, interesting name here. I know we're going to get to linebackers. But Bill George was like, who invented the linebacker. He started off as a defensive lineman and then he transitioned. He stepped back and really invented the linebacker position. But Bill George was a fighter. He was actually a boxer for a little bit. Mm -hmm. So interesting okay. factoid there. Uh, I'll throw out one more name too. I wrote an article a long time ago about Giants killers in the history of the organization when I worked for a Giants website. And in my research, I talked to a lot of people in my family who watched them for a lot longer than me. And they said Dexter Manley of the, the Washington Redskins was such a terror and was so physical and just tortured the Giants for such a long time that I would be remiss if I didn't say Dexter Manley. I think he was left-handed too, so I think he would have a unique strike with the with the left. So, uh, yeah, those great name too. Guys. <laughs> great name too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, remember, I remember Dexter Manley. He was dominant. That, that dude yeah. – Yes, I could see it. All right, linebackers now, and I'm going to keep this part short because I, there are a lot of good linebackers in the NFL, but some of them are better than others, and some of them also, I think, have skills that would translate more. Devin White is so fast and so physical that I love him so much that I think he could be great at this, like legitimately great if he wanted to be. Uh, I think his speed would be so hard to keep up with uh, in, in, the, in the ring like that. Um, and the other one, I'll be biased and, and, just, and just say the Giants linebacker, um, who was the tackling machine and why I, I don't know why I can't think of his name off the top of my head, Matt, but nonetheless, uh, big number 54 in the middle for the giants also. So Devin white, uh, I think would be great, but who do you think? Who, uh, what about you? Well, I'll be a Homer here too, but I got a lot of names here. Go ahead. Uh, Ron Smith mm -hmm. would be the Floyd Mayweather in a good way of this boxing experiment. Roquan is probably the fastest linebacker in the NFL. He's probably also one of the mo more undersized linebackers, but he does a really good job. He's fantastic, a tackling machine. He can do it all. Um, Darius Leonard for the Colts. Yes. He is a battering ram, and he's he's not going to shy away. Um, and he's got long arms. Yes, very long His reach arms. Is, is crazy. Yes, so I, I think he would be a good one. Um, I'm forgetting the Ravens guy. I can't remember the Ravens line, middle linebacker's name. Um, God, it's going to kill me now. Oh boy. I'll, I'll pull current up middle linebacker. Current yeah. middle linebacker. Yeah. So, but also, um, Dante Hightower. 
Dante Hightower would mess some fools up, I believe. But yeah, yeah, those are some guys I think that would really do a lot of damage. And last but not least, Fred Warner. I think Fred yes. Warner would be able to hold his own in a boxing match. Blake Martinez, Jacob Anthony Moses says his name. Thank you very much. I don't know why. I think exactly I would just watch. Like. I would just watch for his ass to get knocked out. Yeah, well, yeah, I, right. I fucking hate Blake. Linebacker <laughs> <laughs> um, is an interesting position historically because it is a legendary position by every sense of the word. Oh, I mean, sure. we've had these people are like the opposite of the running backs. Like you said, they are delivering the blows, getting up and continuing to do so. So, I mean, all time linebackers, you, you mentioned Jack Lambert earlier. And then I, I always think of, you know, Mike Singletary, the bears, um, I, I think uh, like Ray Lewis, obviously was a bad, bad dude. Uh, <laughs> Brian Urlacher, like a lot of good linebackers coming out of the Chicago land area for sure. But oh. I mean, no more of a crazy bastard than Lawrence Taylor. <laughs> Lawrence Taylor just completely changed the linebacker position, but I don't know if he would be a great boxer because I think he was dumb. Uh, <laughs> that has a lot to do with this here, but more recent guys, Patrick Willis, um was so tough and so strong i really think he would have done a great job and then his teammate navarro bowman i really thought the world of those two linebackers for the niners uh about 10 years ago yeah so i mean i I, i'm shocked and dismayed that you left out the great dick buckus well i you know i gotta leave some names for you yeah i appreciate that i I do you you left a softball there for me um dick buckus I, I mean, I, I don't know how he would do in boxing because I feel like he would just try to rip someone's head off as opposed to actually try to fight them, fight them. I mean, he would fight them, but I don't think he would be a clean boxer. I think he would struggle with the rules. Um, gosh, you know, there's, there's so many names, like you said. I think Kevin Green would have been a great boxer, oh, Greg yeah. Lloyd. Um, mm-hmm. a, another, Derek Thomas. Derek oh, yeah. Thomas was so fast. Uh, Junior Seau, I think, mm-hmm. would have excelled. Um, R.I.P. Yeah. Um, um, Patrick Queen, is that the guy you were trying to think of earlier, by the way? Yes, Patrick Queen. Yes. Shout out to Jacob Moses in the comments again, saving our butts. Okay, I didn't even see that comment. Wow. Yeah. Well, so thank he, you, Jacob. Yeah, well, um, yeah. So just those guys. But yeah, linebacker, traditionally, you're going to find guys that would probably do this and probably – be quick learners on how to box and excel in that environment. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think that probably uh, the, the, the translation probably is probably the best for linebackers more than anything else, but now you get to secondary players and regardless of it's safety or corner, these guys like to yap. They like to talk. Um, they don't necessarily like to hit always, but I think similar to the receiver, it could be a nice buildup, maybe depending on who, who it is. So my mind immediately goes to Josh Norman. Um, the guy, you know, always is talking, um, likes to think he lays the wood, but regardless, uh, I think he would be a great buildup for a fight. It's the kind of guy I would love to see get punched in the face. Um, Richard Sherman, similarly, uh, I think, you know, I don't know how great of a boxer he would be, but again, the selling of the fight, I think he would excel at uh, immensely. I think you could see this uh, with Horn, the, the the guy the Panthers just drafted. He, he could, J.C. Horn, uh, he, he's going to be a similar type guy to me. Um, but uh, I mean, look, safeties, I think in general, they're better hitters. I think they see contact more often. Uh, and and you're, you're, you're looking at, you know, historically speaking, I think there are better names than actively, but as far as secondary goes as a whole, Matt, anyone to come to mind immediately for you? Oh God. You know, I think it's such a different NFL now hmm. that 
I, I mean, I would struggle because I think a lot of these good corners are long and lanky, like they, they use their hands a lot. So it'd be a lot more of like boxing. It, it wouldn't be like Tommy Hitman Hearns. Um, mm -hmm. it, it'd be more Sugar Ray Leonard type, more Floyd Mayweather type. So there's not any secondary player that I would just be actively wanting to see. Maybe a guy like Kyle Fuller, Cortland Finnegan, as we mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. might be a guy for entertainment value. Josh Norman, for sure. Uh, D'Angelo Hall is one dude I would love to see get knocked the hell out. <laughs> uh, great player. Very underrated player. But, yeah. man, I would love to see his ass get knocked out. I think um, – oh, God, I'm going to forget it. Akib Tlaib. Yes. I think I, that dude's on a different yes. level mentally. That's a good call, yeah. And then Marcus Peters is, is yep. the other kid. So uh, when it comes to safeties, it gets a little iffy, but Jamal Adams would be the first one that comes to mind. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm glad you said Adams because obviously he's the one that's like big mouth, sort of box safety sort of guy. Like I, I think he could you know deliver some blows, take some blows at the same time. Like I think Landon Collins is very similar to that as well. Yeah. Like uh, – Jabril Peppers uh, also, I think, could be a guy who could hold his own too. Big muscle-bound guy. Um, but historically speaking, uh, there's been a lot of great safeties, obviously, in the history of the league. But one guy, Hall of Famer, comes to mind. One guy I would not want to get punched in the face by, and it's Brian Dawkins. <laughs> I, I think Brian Dawkins would be absolutely terrifying to see in a ring. Yeah, I, I would go – I mean, Chuck Cecil, um, mm -hmm. you know, they basically had to kick him out of the league. Ronnie Lott would be one of the toughest sons of a bitches you would ever meet in a boxing ring. Um, you know, I, he got his finger ripped off and he had him stitch it back on on the sideline and went back in. Um, that's how tough Ronnie Lott is. Ronnie Lott was a layer of the wood. Yes. Um, a, a recent one is uh, Cam Chancellor. I, yep. I think he would be able to transition fairly well. Absolutely. Leech up boom, baby. Yeah, so it, there's some guys there at the safety position that I think would definitely translate well to boxing. Um, I will say this. The most talented secondary player I've ever seen, and I'm almost positive that he would be a Hall of Fame boxer, was Sean Taylor. Mm. That, you know, talk about gone too soon. Yep the things that he could do and how fast and just everything. I mean, I think he would have been one of the best safeties that ever played in the NFL. He was built for the NFL, but he could have done boxing and he would have been great at it. Hard to argue with that. I mean, he was incredible. And obviously, like you said, uh, a life taken from us too soon. Um, all right. Well, now I want to hear from the, the audience, if there is an audience at this point, point in time. Matt, I want you to go first. Um, I don't really have any off the top of my mind, but you had a couple matchups here, like dream NFL-related boxing matchups that you had in mind. That you Like, I want to see these two get in the ring. I want to see one of these motherfuckers get knocked out. So let's hear them. Okay. Numero uno, Philip Rivers versus Jay Cutler. Let's just get this one out of the way right now. I don't know who's going to win. I don't even know if the fight's going to be any good. But those two do not like each other. So mm -hmm. one of them needs to get knocked out. Steve Smith versus Patrick Ramsey. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I feel like Steve Smith would take Patrick Ramsey's lunch because I think Patrick likes to yap. Steve Smith ain't about that yapping. Um, so I, I think he'll definitely put one on him. <laughs> no doubt. 
And then, you know, I, I think low-key, under-the-radar matchup that I think I would really just be fascinated to see, and that would be guys like, um, I'm trying to think, I had the matchup in my head. Historically speaking, Deacon Jones versus Jack Ham. Oh, wow. Uh, I, I think that would have been a fantastic matchup. So I got a couple of those, you know, I, I think you can get some real entertainment value out of those. Um, I would love to see Montez perfect. Um, oh, God. Uh, against prime Mike Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You went boxer versus football. Yeah. I just hate Montez perfect a lot. Uh <laughs> I want um, Josh Norman against Odell Beckham Jr. because we basically already had that on the football field. Uh, you know, get them in a, in a boxing type setting. I, I don't really know if Odell would be any good, but I think that they could, you know, let off some steam. Um, Cortland Finnegan and Andre Johnson, get them both in a ring and just finish off what they started on, on the field <laughs> not that long ago. Um, perfect to me could cause a lot of problems because I think he was so dirty that a lot of people would sign up to fight him. Uh, Richie incognito um, against the guy he bullied on the, on the dolphins. Oh, Jonathan Martin. <laughs> yeah. So I think that would be a good matchup too. Um, I, I, I would love, and they would never do this because they, they love each other and their family, but Eli versus Peyton. Um, oh, yes. sibling, sibling rivalry. Let me have it. Um, I would love to have that. Same thing with the Watts. Give me TJ versus JJ. Uh, <laughs> and and like, give me all of the smoke there. But uh, give me give me Tom Brady versus Jimmy G. That would be interesting too. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know if they would actually care about uh, about fighting one another. I think you, you want to put like physical freaks against one another. I, I think Aaron Donald versus uh, Miles Garrett would be the most oh. physically freakish uh boxing match <laughs> like two people just in shorts next to each other <laughs> they're gonna be just wild um matthew and island in the comments uh Neeland, i'm sorry man i always forget i mess up your name uh shannon Ch- crowder versus d'angelo williams all right um that works too uh d'angelo williams i feel like could fight a bunch of people here on, on this list um i feel like he always got into fights with people uh how about me versus dave gettleman I want that guy in the ring. Lace him up. Let's do it, old man. <laughs> I, mean, um, I, I, I think Dave would rather take you in the first round than box you. You, you know what? My luck, he'd probably knock me out, and then the memes would live forever at that point. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe Aaron Rodgers versus Brian Kudekunst uh, could be a fight in the future. Maybe Brett Favre versus Aaron Rodgers. Uh, there's probably some bad blood there. Yeah, I well, no, they're they're buddies now. They talk, you mm. know, every so often, and you know, um, Brett actually speaks on behalf of old Aaron Rodgers sometimes. Um, you know, Doug Flutie versus Jim McMahon. Okay. And, and for those who don't know, the those eighty late eighties Bear teams, you know, Dicka wanted to draft a quarterback because McMahon got hurt quite a bit, so he decided to take Doug Flutie. The Bears team hated Doug Flutie. Every player on that team could not stand him. And Dicka was trying to replace McMahon, who was beloved by all his teammates. So there was bad blood between McMahon and Doug Flutie. I think McMahon even called him a midget. So, Jesus. Yeah, there, there's some wow. bad blood there. Uh, I guess but, I didn't realize the bad blood there. Yeah, but but the ultimate Chicago one, Mike Dicka versus Buddy Ryan. <laughs> honestly though i mean that's pretty well documented how much they really did not like each other yeah and even buddy ryan versus june jones yeah 
So that's, that's a coaching one. And, and Matthew Nealon in the comments also has a coaching one. Mike Zimmer versus every <laughs> Vikings place kicker ever. <laughs> Shout out to Blair Walsh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. This is, we've got into some, some territories here I did not expect. This is this is quite the conversation we're having here uh, about guys boxing one another. But it's fun. I'm enjoying myself here. Uh, <laughs> maybe do uh, – uh, a Troy Polamalu against another uh, elite safety of that time. Maybe Ed Reed, just to see who the better safety Ooh. was. You know, I think that'd be pretty cool. Uh, maybe Tom Coughlin against Matt Dodge. <laughs> just, <laughs> just so Matt and Tom Coughlin can lay off some, uh, some steam on him. Yeah. Who was the offensive guy? I can't remember his name, but he was universally hated. Oh, God. I'm on the Eagles? No, 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 no. Um, he was the Steelers' offensive coordinator. Uh, ben I hated him, too. God. He was with the Chiefs. Uh, um, then he went to Pittsburgh as the offensive coordinator. God, I'm forgetting his name. Yeah, I can't think of it. He just got fired a couple years ago, right? Yeah, he was a real asshat. Uh, be Mike Tomlin against him? Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, let's look it up. Steelers, OCs. <laughs> yeah, God, it's going to kill me. I, oh, I was trying to Todd talk Haley? Todd Haley. Yeah. Universally hated by a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. It would be more than just Mike Tomlin, probably, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, Ben Roethlisberger would want to knock his ass out, too. I'm sure yeah. of that. Yeah. All right, Matt. This has been quite the conversation. And I hope, you know, some of our boxing uh, fan friends come back and, and listen to this and maybe in, insert some of their own thoughts here. We appreciate all the interaction already. It's been This has been fun. Um, as a non-boxing fan, this would be a way to get me interested in boxing, to get some celebrity deathmatch style uh, <laughs> fights in there, which NFL players would never do, but it would still be fun to think about it regardless. Um, but, hey, Matt, we are back now, and I think we're going to be back on a regular basis coming up in the future here. We're going to start our division previews next week. But we have so many other shows uh, underneath this Life Group umbrella. Why don't you tell us about them? Yep. So there, there's an official switch in day and time. Well, I'm not sure about time, but definitely in day for Dawn City. They have officially moved to Wednesdays. So I do believe the time is still 7 Eastern, maybe 8 Eastern, somewhere around that time. So I do apologize. I know Henry Maldonado Jr., was on earlier. I know Vince Mercandetti has other obligations right now, so we don't have either one of those on to represent the, give us the time and date, but Wednesday, tomorrow, it either starts at 7 Eastern or 8 Eastern. Check them out, Dong City. And then on Thursday, we have the Workshoot Wrestling Podcast with Corey Richman and Jason Brooks. More WWE releases, more stuff going on behind the scenes. I guess Hell in the Cell is going to be a giant like milk carting crate over it now because I can't afford the steel. I'm joking. I am joking. But those two guys do a great job. Tune into them tomorrow or Thursday. And then on Friday, we have the step back with Leon Tompkins and Jacob Anthony Moses. They're going to be singing the praises of the Suns, talking about how LeBron lost his GOAT status because he just couldn't carry Michael Jordan's legacy as he wished he could have. The Brooklyn Nets are absolutely stomping a mud hole in the Milwaukee Bucks. We all thought that was going to be a finals preview. Uh, mm. I think the Nets had other plans. So They're Very, very good. Very fun to watch. Yes. So I, I think, you know, Jacob and Leon will go ahead and knock that one out of the park like they always do, do such a great job. I believe the Total Bases podcast will be on Sunday, breaking down all the fantasy baseball news. Uh, 
Randy, we're here mid-season. Baseball's here. You know, you're suffering through a Yankees losing streak. Not fun to watch. Um, it's a hard baseball team to watch. I feel like my White Sox are fool's gold, and it kills me. I just I can't envision a team that starts Adam Engel and Luis Garcia slash Billy Hamilton in the outfield. It's just hard. It's just hard to fathom. But the White Sox are a good baseball team. I, you're in fourth place. We're in first place. Baseball's in a bad spot right now, and the Yankees are uh, making it that way as well because we uh, we're not fun to watch. We're not a good baseball team right now. Uh, anyway, we made a bet about our two teams, and I, I regret to inform you on this bet update that <laughs> you are winning uh, as of now. <laughs> the White Sox are what thirteen games over five hundred. The Yankees are clinging to two games over five hundred after being swept at home. The Red Sox, I could strangle every single one of them. Uh, it's nothing worse in life than losing to the Red Sox, no matter what's going on. Even in a global pandemic, nothing's worse than losing to the Red Sox, let me tell you. Uh, well, the Yankees got some, some work to do here. And if they end up being sellers, then I'm going to lose this bet to you. So we'll see what happens. It's, it's June 8th. So um, maybe Felipe and Sean Flannery can offer you some advice to help you build up the Yankees to make them a better team. I can't do anything to change the Yankees. Ultimately that is up to Brian Cashman. and <laughs> So they need to get some, uh, get going here and, and fix some things. Anyway, this is not a baseball podcast, not a boxing podcast, believe it or not, we're for a football show, but we, we touch all things going on here on the, on the audible. We're very versatile uh, men here on the show. Um, Matt, I got a life update, and you know this, but I just want to give a life update to everyone. The 2022 NFL Draft in Las Vegas will have me in attendance officially. Uh, I will be in Las Vegas in, in next April to see the Giants pick for your Bears and for them. So I'm very excited. I hope, you know, if anyone's coming to the draft next year, uh, reach out. I'd love to meet everyone and, and hang out. And it's going to be a wonderful time. I cannot wait to spend a few days out there. And uh, full disclosure, it is for a bachelor party. So it's going to be more than just the draft. It's going to be celebrating uh, – a huge thing in my life but Matt I hope I could see you there too yeah I think you will um obviously I have made some plans did they open up the tickets yet did you get your official tickets no but what I heard is that any like tickets uh the draft in general is is general admission depending on where you want to sit so I, I for the most part it's not it's relatively inexpensive to go unless you want uh add-ons to it so as far as I know you don't really have to pay you can just go to it so mm. um which I'm really looking forward to regardless I'm going to be in Vegas the weekend for for the opening uh for, for round one of the draft I'm going to 10 round one and we'll see what the rest of it but no the tickets are not there yet for the draft but when they are we'll be sure to give you a updates on that as well i'm super yeah. excited for that absolutely all right I, Matt. i'm gonna be there for round two because that's when my bears pick well you got to be there in general anyway yeah. uh, uh you know we've gone longer on this show than i think either of us imagined that we would have but it was a fun conversation and time flies when you're when you're having fun but uh matt we got um we're live on Facebook. Thanks to everyone who participated. We're on YouTube. We're on all your audio platforms. I don't need to go through them all, but wherever you get your podcasts, we are most likely there. So thank you for subscribing and listening there. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. Matt, quick, any parting words for the audience? Next week, we are breaking out divisions. Stay tuned for what divisions will be going first. It is one of an eight-part series. So we will break down each and every division. We will break down each team. We will give our thoughts. Those who are familiar with us from last year know that we try to do a very thorough job. We may even have a guest on or two or mm -hmm. three. Well, three is kind of a crowd, but we might swing it. But we would like to have someone on that um, 
on the show to represent their division in some form or fashion. So, you know, we'll reach out or you can reach out to either Randy or myself. If you're in football life, just send us a private message. Randy and I will talk about it. If we deem that your football knowledge is worthy, we may have you on the show. Yeah, that was so much fun that we did that last year. And if we start it next week, it should go right up to the start of preseason. And then we're here, baby. We're almost ready for football at that point. So uh, it's going to be a long summer, but it'll be a quick and fun one at the same time. So let's hope neither of us die of heat exhaustion. Uh, I'm putting my money on you, that happening to you before me. I'm just going to sit here and complain about it. But uh, (laughs) nonetheless, we will be back next week. Matt, it's been a pleasure. Can't wait to talk again soon. To the audience, thank you guys so much for all your support. I'm Randy Hammond on behalf of Matt Bushnell saying see you guys next week.